0: In episode two of our second season, we continue to explore the neglected middle. Gareth and I take a look at Love Thy Neighbour, Vanishing Neighbours, Ten Pin Bowling, nerve-wracking phone calls to potential girlfriends, and as is becoming a common occurrence, The Simpsons. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Nothing New Under the Sun podcast. Welcome listeners, I'm Dane Fuller, thank you for tuning in to the Nothing New Under the Sun podcast, our Season 2 topic is The Neglected Middle, and I'm joined as always by the extremely knowledgeable and ever-sharing chaplain, Gareth Tyndall. Hi Gareth, how are you?
1: I'm well, Dane, how are you?
0: Good, we're uh, on a bit of a different location today, we we're on site in a St Andrews Church in Wagga Wagga.
1: We are, so there might be a little bit of an ethereal echo from the uh, vaulted ceilings, we'll see.
0: Okay, so we're going to continue our Neglected Middle series today, focusing on middle ring relationships, which is a concept I read about a couple of years ago in a book by Mark Dunkelman called The Vanishing Neighbour. Uh, Dunkelman in his book outlines three levels of relationships, uh, an inner ring based on family and, and close intimate friends, a middle ring based around local civic engagement and an outer ring based on single issues or very specific topics or commonalities. Uh, His argument, which I I found quite compelling, is that we are losing these middle ring relationships that build community and we're replacing them with um, one-off kind of transactional relationships in the outer ring while also using, um, using our technology to maybe be a little more insular with those family and friends as well. So, um, so one of the things he points out, and sorry, points his finger at, is, is globalisation and technology. Um, because it is easy to get online, it is uh, easy to engage with people anonymously, say around you know, supporting a, a sports team or commenting on social media uh, or even shopping, and it is to check in on your neighbours, mow the lawns for that old lady down the street who may, may need some help with her maintenance. Or even visit the same grocer or butcher mm. on a weekly basis, um, and he, he uses the generational example of himself travelling for work and how his father used to travel for work. In terms of um, his father would meet a local when he travelled away from home and would ask about a good restaurant. And you know, where's the best Italian restaurant to eat in, you know, Buffalo or wherever they were eating um, mm. in the states, and often he, he would eat a meal with that person. That person would say, okay, I'll show you somewhere and he'd meet a stranger, so to speak. Yeah, right. Whereas he said that when he travels and, and he's done a little bit of travel in his work, he would just look up online where somewhere to eat, maybe get takeaway um, or get it delivered to his hotel room yeah. and then spend time um, FaceTiming or Skyping his family and maybe reading his kids' their goodnight book even though he's somewhere else so in he- the country. So, um, yeah, so, but his concept is there's vanishing neighbours. It is American-based, but I think there's some, some of it we can take in an Australian context. Um, and I just, I think a good place to start is, you now, if we have these vanishing neighbours and a reduction in what we would consider neighbourliness, mm. what's the effect on, you know, one of those key Christian tenets of uh, love thy neighbour?
1: Yeah, love thy neighbour. I mean, that's isn't that lies at the heart of uh, how Jesus says to fulfil the law? Um, there are an, a couple of, in each of the four Gospels, I think, or maybe not in John, there is um, someone asking Jesus that question about what's the um, the greatest commandment or what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, and uh, in each of those instances, Jesus gives um, the reminder that, that twofold you should love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and you shall love your neighbor uh, as yourself Um, and in luke's gospel when jesus um, gives that answer to uh, the lawyer um, it it, it says that he desiring to justify himself said to jesus and who is my neighbor Uh, and that's when jesus tells uh, the very famous parable of the good samaritan Um, and in that instance of course it's the Samaritan who is um, ethnically uh, an, an enemy of, um, of, his, of the Israelites and he is the one who shows uh, compassion to this wounded man um, when uh, the others who pass by, uh, the Levite um, uh, and the priest who passed by, who really should have been the ones who um, upholded that law. Um, that Levitical law that where that, that phrase love your neighbour comes from refused to um, and then when Jesus tells that story uh, he finishes and says which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers and the lawyer says the one who showed him mercy uh, and Jesus said to him well then you should go and do likewise uh, and the inference being that um, neighbourliness um, and who how do you demonstrate that that neighborly aspect is not necessarily just about who is um in proximity to you uh and who is in um you know simultaneous or reciprocal kind of ethnic groupings and those kind of things but it's the one who needs your mercy so you know in that instance then um to be a neighbor is to show mercy uh to the one in need so that, that doesn't necessarily, you know, if we're thinking about those different rings, that can be someone in your family. It can be someone on the other side of the world. But it seems very much, doesn't it, that it, it seems to be those who are in your periphery, those who are in your... You, you can immediately see their need. You know, in that story, they pass that man along the road um, and they see his need. Two of them refuse to, to show it. The Samaritan chooses to show mercy. So I think that's how we begin to see that that neighbourliness in the Bible is doing mercy?
0: Well, with with Dunkelman's theory about the middle ring, I, I suppose, too, he, he's looking at your, your intimate relationships. There's a, a level of, uh, I suppose, selfishness. I don't know if that's the right word, but it, it's certainly self-centred. Mm-hmm. You're doing it because these are the people that you care the most about. If you're getting online and, you know, commenting on, you know, how the Perth Scorchers or someone are doing on an online forum, yes. well, that's something about you as well. The middle ring seems to be very much looking out uh-huh. and, and where it's a little bit more difficult maybe to show mercy, Yes. but you're still commanded to, to do it. And, and I guess that there's an effortfulness involved in it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it seems, it doesn't, it seems also to that, that that middle ring is a bit of an ecosystem, isn't it? That you know, there is um, a sense in which every player in that in that I guess that village kind of lifestyle um, there's a reciprocity that goes on there that you know that you you know like you saw in that story that that man showed help to that guy to find him where to to eat and the other guy showed him kindness by saying well share a meal with me so there does seem to be a kind of reciprocal nature to uh, those those instances however it it always seems to be that you know in the Bible uh, that that gospel Self-sacrifice isn't done with the thinking of well, what might I get in return, um, and and this is done also to to those who might do you harm, um, and so I think that that's probably where uh, there's be a little bit of a departure from Dunkelman's theory, um, but it it's true I think that um, one of the fantastic things about the Christian lifestyle is that it is not an individual lifestyle um, that you know. Paul makes that point in Galatians 3 um, about there being neither Jew nor Gentile, male or, male or female, slave nor free. And he's not saying those things are just social constructs that are irrelevant, um, like as we often tend to hear these days. Uh, instead, he's saying that there is no distinction um, between the, those who are in the body of Christ, that your overarching identity is that you are you're united in Jesus Christ. Uh, and so therefore, you are bound to all those people in your uh, in the church uh, and that i think begins to that's a middle ring i think if you think about those the place the church would sit would inhabit that middle ring
0: yeah and, uh, and in in that terms too it it um, transcends the boundaries between the, between the rings as well because it, yeah the, the middle ring's where it sits but it's just as easy to say the global christian community mm. you know um, are all equal and um, as one, um, but obviously those people that are closest to you too—that's where you might mostly demonstrate some of those mm. merciful acts.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's you know that's where this the, the church is—it transcends all three of those rings, but it also transcends other boundaries like like time uh, and space. You know, so Paul will write about uh, Christians being united and gathered in the heavenly realms. Um, and then yet he'll also say to the church of God in Corinth or Ephesus or Galatia wherever he writes to Um, and so there's this kind of when you are when you inhabit a local gathering a local church um, your local gathering your local church is the heavenly church Um, so um, in the same way you know a helpful way to think about it is is them being like like embassies, I suppose, you know, when you step inside an embassy, you technically leave the territory of the country that you're in and enter In
0: in your new country, or in your your original country. Yeah, Yeah. that's right, that's right, yeah.
1: yeah. And so you are transcending the the, inner, the middle and the outer ring, and even you're transcending... All the rings. (laughs) All the rings, yes, that's right, yes.
0: Just to to back up a little bit before too, when when you spoke about that distinction in terms of, you know, you, you might move into a new neighbourhood and go you know, borrow a lawnmower or yep. <laughs> pot of sugar or cup something. Of sugar. Yep. Cup of sugar, the, yeah, the cliché cup of sugar. Mm. Um, and you do that in the expectation that at some stage, well, you're going to pay them back. The, 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 there's no karmic kind of idea in Christianity, though. You're helping the, the Samaritan help someone simply because they were there to yeah. be helped. Yeah. We don't and want to get into that trap of saying... I'm doing this for a reward.
1: That's right, and 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 the the mercy that the Samaritan shows in that parable, you know, it's reckless, it's excessive. You know, where he, he, he don't, not only puts him on his donkey and takes him to be to an inn to be cared for and binds up his wounds, but he pays a, a, an exorbitant amount of money to the innkeeper to say to, to, to maintain uh, the health of this man, and then says, and if there's any more over afterwards, just hit me up for it you know yeah. so um and and you know we don't want to push the that parable too far but you, you wonder whether the the man who was injured on the donkey was even conscious of who was helping him and what help was being shown to him so you know that's uh, the point in in jesus's parable is that it's the one who does mercy and mercy is giving people what um you know they don't deserve necessarily you know so that means you're not it's not a a reciprocal kind of transaction yeah, yeah.
0: but it's also not our place to make a judgment on what they deserve either is it no
1: mm. that's yeah. exactly right yeah that's right
0: well now I'll back up a little bit here and then as I said that Dunkelman story or the book was really really interesting but mm. I can back up a little bit further where I first came across some of the this idea of social capital and it's something that's you know sociologists use a little bit now, not just financial capital and and um, even environmental capital, but social capital is the what builds up between social engagements and, and civic engagement. Mm-hmm. And when I was at uni, there was a, uh, a we were made to read a book called Bowling Alone by a sociologist called Robert Putnam, and again, he was a, a an American, and he wrote this story basically that said, you know, more people are bowling in America, but the bowling league was dying. Right. They went bowling together as a group and having that social connection, or I suppose a formal social connection in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went through and you know, analysed a whole range of these, what we would call civic um, civic groups and clubs, and yes. he borrowed heavily on um, de Tocqueville's Democracy in America from the 18. 18- it was 1850s or something okay. when the French, I think, it was the French sociologists come come along and notice the difference between the new world's social organisation and the old world's hierarchical organisation. So, uh, yeah, we had to read this book, Bowling Alone, mm-hmm. and then we had to we had one of those awful, awful free choice assignments where write about anything you want that we've studied in this subject. Really. Um, and, you know, when you've got that choice, it's always difficult. Um, I scratched around in my brain for a long time and then worked out there's a lot of social capital in The Simpsons. Okay. So I um, had the pleasure of watching about 300 episodes of The Simpsons as a uni research task, um, which was really hard work, as you, you would know. Yes, And nice. documenting every time The Simpsons... All the Springfield characters were involved in a in civics okay. okay so you know you'll see them at town hall meetings you know if there's a money to be spent or some crisis everyone turns up at the town hall meeting yes um, most of the parents turn up at PTA meetings or you know, what we would call the PNF or PNC yes um, you know a lot of the people go to church um, mm-hmm. they go to church picnics uh, there's volunteer fire Fighters, um, there's bowling leagues, you know. So that was a kind of a, a good link in there with Putnam, uh, and he even spoke about things like regularly going to the same bar. You know, I think he called it the Cheers effect or something like that. Um, and you know, obviously Homer is often drinking with the same at group Mo's. of buddies at Moe's So anyway, I had a, a great deal of fun um, doing the research, but I, I kind of come from the premise that Springfield, by all accounts, is made up of these dysfunctional. People, mm-hmm. the Simpsons in themselves are a quite a dysfunctional family, but it was this continuous civic engagement that they would, that mm. they would be part of, that kind of kept the town together. And, uh, okay. and my my thesis was um, social capital in the Simpsons, or how the hell does Springfield function? And that was my that was kind of favourite research project I ever did. And mm-hmm. I was asked to go into uh, honors on it, but. I didn't really want to. but, um, <laughs> And I think, and to, to cut a long story short, when you said before we talk about this body, the church of the body of Christ, mm. it's, it's true that everyone is a Christian, but it's also true that by having a large group of people come together, you're more likely to have a large variety of strengths that can do God's work in the best possible way. And I know we've spoke about this, with our year nine Christian studies classes before in terms of what's your gift? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not gift wrapped up in a present, but what's your gift that you can give to other people? Um, Middle ring relationships seems to be the best way to get a diversity of thought, action, I- ideas, and talents that we can do good with.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, And, and Paul does particularly like that <coughs> idea of using Describing a church as the body um, and having many parts um, And you know yet they all share the one spirit You know in the same way that you know we have our bodies are made up of numerous parts And yet in every single Area in our body you can identify the same DNA Um, And so you can identify them as all as as one in that sense And yet there's an incredible diversity and complexity that's necessary Um, And so you know, in, in a church, uh, you know, there are those, there are those things that are, that are essential to the practice of, of church on a, on a Sunday, for example. So when there is the, there's the gathering, there's the togetherness, the fellowship, uh, there's the teaching uh, and preaching, prayer uh, and the worship of God. Uh, so those are things that where there are, you know, there are essential kinds of um, actions that need to take place. Uh, and in each of those things, though, um, they're all for the good of the body, um, that everyone will will be presented mature in Christ. And so mm-hmm. that one person might be particularly good at leading the music, um, but they're not there just to hone their musical talent. Um, they're there because they know that the gift they've been given with that musical skill will in, yeah, equip others to worship well. Um, and so, And when we sing, we sing... For God, to God to praise Him, and we sing for each other. Uh, we sing to encourage one another, to remind one another, to, to also to affirm um, what we believe together. Uh, and so, there's you know, those many many and complex roles that take place um, also work towards a unified purpose. Uh, and so, I think that that means that if you're going to think of churches like that middle ring, there is an expectation there, isn't it, there, that there's going to be people who will you come to church not for yourself. Um, you come to church because you yourself have a personal faith in Jesus Christ. Um, but you can't come to God without coming to His people too. Um, and so you, you, you come to God, you come to church on a Sunday, for example, for the people. Um, and then, you know, the ideal thing is that that's not the end of it. That it's not just on a Sunday where you're there for the people. Um, that you are you're actively engaged with them throughout the week you know some of you know all of my closest and deepest friendships have been forged around uh, the gospel um, and have been forged around um, a shared faith uh, and you know my friendships have not been maintained just by meeting people on a Sunday um, they've been maintained throughout throughout the other six days of the week yeah, um, yeah so I think that's uh, I think that's where church still does would 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 uh, occupy that middle ring kind of relationship yeah
0: yeah and, and from a lot of communities it would have been that first middle ring organization that was established yep. you know if, if you look at all the small towns anywhere in Australia I'm yes. sure in, in the United States and other places like that hmm. there would be a couple of churches regardless of how many people ever lived there, it was a key institution.
1: That's right. I mean, where we're sitting right now in this building here, there are four other churches within a stone's throw of one another because this is the, it was the foundation part of Wagga. Um, and you're right, it was in an era when um, the church was the locus of community. Um, and, you know, it's, you, you talked at the very beginning um, about that globalisation effect and I can remember looking at uh, globalisation theory at university when I was doing journalism and the term that was used a lot was global village. You know, that, the, that those village-like relationships that have sustained, um, sustained agrarian societies and then moving even through the Industrial Revolution still sustain those societies would happen at a global level, um, that you would have that kind of reciprocity across thousands and thousands of miles. Um, and yet, I don't think you've seen that Matriculate, materialise in that same sentence, no, in
0: sense. No, it's probably gone the opposite way. You, yes. you, it's more polarised and um, segregated, isn't it? People, yep. and again, speaking about those outer ring relationships which we can now engage in,
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I can just speak to people online who agree with me yes. if I wanted to. Yep. And the only time I'm going to have someone who disagrees, disagrees with me if someone pops up trolling and then they get piled on and, mm. <laughs> you know, it it's mm. becomes this They're echo... chamber.
1: shamed out, aren't Shamed they? out of
0: it. It's an echo chamber and that yeah. happens. Of, you know, politically, you can probably see that at its worst in the United States at the moment mm. with its polarisation. But, yeah, that global village... And, I, you know, I did a lot of um, geography and um, social science subjects at university and that was always the hope, that globalisation would create one... Homogeneous, homogeneous kind of village, and that hasn't no. hasn't been the case mm. at all. It's been the, almost the exact opposite. Mm. Um,
1: and I think that in the in the church too, um, that that's very much the understanding amongst. You think about the New Testament. The New Testament was largely about forging a common identity for two polarized people groups in in Jew and Gentile, um, and there had been. Um, significant tension for centuries uh, between the people of Israel and the various Gentile nations that had occupied mm-hmm. them, um, and so it's Paul is not, and the other New Testament writers are acutely aware of that. And so there's lots of talk about you know bearing with one another in love, you know, gladly sharing each other's burdens, um, you know, patient in affliction. Paul is not, you know, thinking that everyone is just shiny, happy people holding hands who also, once they find their faith in Jesus Christ, that they those distinctives that they had um, are completely nullified and obliterated. In fact, that's not the case at all. And, and you know, a, a letter like Titus, for example, Paul will speak specifically to certain demographics because he's acutely aware that there is a, di- a diversity in the church um, that doesn't go away. Uh, and if anything, it, it um, becomes more and more obvious because it is how Christians Sharpen one another, and uh, are further sanctified when they learn to share in fellowship with those with whom, if it wasn't for the church, for their gathering in the church, they would not share they fellowship. Have
0: nothing to do with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think as well, if we look at something like prayer, when it comes to middle that middle ring relationship, hmm. um, and, and, the, and it leads from that globalisation stuff as well. Um, the the lack of prayer for the middle ring Mm -hmm. Um, and you know I know in in church we we pray for our own church and we pray for you know obviously our our neighbours within that church as as well but it seems to me a lot of social media kind of prayer recommendations you you know uh, you're praying for yourself and your family your intimate relationships or you're praying for these um, you know
1: tragedies and large larger yeah rates. yeah. in mm.
0: terms of it's okay we're going to pray for climate change or we're going to pray for mm. coronavirus or mm. you know it, it's it's a global phenomenon mm. but then we, we're going to pray for that whereas and, and I think that, that tragedy stuff as well we, we're going to pray because there's been a tsunami or you know you look at the conspicuous compassion when a, a celebrity dies you know how, how many and there's nothing wrong with saying nice words about a princess die or a um, mm. uh, you know anyone who's died, but mm. how often are we doing those same prayers for yeah. going through maybe the local um, obituaries and saying, yeah. "Oh, Mr. Smith's died, and yeah. he's survived by six kids and thirteen grandkids and twenty-six great-grandchildren. They're doing it a, a tough, doing it tough at the moment." Yes, bring that into your prayer. Um, and again, I think that's something that we are encouraged to do through Scripture, mm. but we don't do it all. It's overlooked, it's neglected.
1: Mm. It is, it is. And, you know, and I think that that's, that is a fair, that's a tension that the church needs, to, that Christians need to be mindful of, in that um, you're called into that body, that gathering, uh, and so therefore you, you automatically enter a middle ring, don't you? And so there are many, there are going to be many in complex middle ring um, needs for prayer and for ministry and for care and love within your church, and yet, what um, this wonderful opportunity that Christians have, where we see other middle rings just disintegrate, is that, that, that in many ways the church remains the last kind of bastion of those of those relationships. And so, um, if we're going to have uh, re- restore um, a sense of uh, care and love and compassion. At that middle ring level, then that's going to mean that that Christians have to be actively engaged in their communities too, and it's very easy to not be, um, because it's you know it's very easy to form your own little Christian ghettos, uh, because the, the the deeper you grow in love for those people in your church, uh, the more you become like one another in, in the sense in the sense that you uh, you think along similar lines on various. Uh, issues that face you, on family and those kinds of things. And so then that can just become uh, a very insular way of of living Uh, and yet, you know, you're still engaged in your your school community and the sporting teams you're involved in um, and various other groups that are middle-ring relationships that I think uh, Christians are called to be um, salt and light, to, to actively look different in those scenarios. And not to be absent from those scenarios. And I think it's also really helpful to remember that the the end vision in Revelation um, is not necessarily a return to the garden, where it is just this would be those inner ring relationships like the Adam and Eve kind of just sitting yeah. quietly with your family. It's a city. You know, it is a civic centre, um, and so uh, you know, and Jesus is there. He dwells with his people, uh, and yet it's bustling and, you know, it, it has, has described streets and paths and, and gardens and those kinds of things, but it, it, it's, it's an image and under, understanding of uh, more than just inner rings um, uh, and, I guess, something in a sense less than a global village, even though it will be people from uh, all nations. Um, it's yeah. going to be the, 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 the church itself now, does reflect to an extent those that middle ring um, on an eternal epic scale.
0: With the that that idea of diversity and and even the as you said the kind of that insularness you can get from um, from the church only being concerned about them, themselves. Mm-hmm. We're both high school teachers, and we, so we see a lot of teens. One of the things that I think we are starting to um, Or kids, kids these days (laughs) are are lacking are some of those intergenerational uh, opportunities that come from engaging in the in the middle ring. It gives them a better understanding of um, of the world, I suppose, in terms of that. And you know, they they've kind of got this hyper generational. I'm with my peers during the day. Mm -hmm. I'm in contact with my peers outside of school through. Social media, or you know, via text, um, and even their their kind of that culture of music and movies and TV is very very similar.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I don't see them getting as much, and we're maybe not too bad here in country areas, but you know, not as much of a opportunity to to spend time with people much younger than them, but particularly much older than them. Um, mm. In terms of you know who were their neighbours, you know. I could name go up the street for where I grew up and I could tell a little bit of a story about at least, yes. you know, a dozen houses. Yes. This, these people grew up, that were here and here and here. Um, and even, I think, you know, a little bit of a, of a funny one, but you know, when you're a kid you, or a young, a young man and you are going to ring up a girl who you might want to ask on a date or something, mm. there's always a chance you're going to have to speak to either their mum yeah. or their dad. So you're holding your breath on the old landline phone. Oh, yeah. Oh, can I please speak to, you know, mm. who's this? Mm. Um, and they've lost that too. Yeah. And it's because it's now just, oh, well, we'll just find them on Snapchat and oh, I don't
1: know. It could always be if the conversation went on too long, then dad would pick up the other phone and he'd listen in and tell you to go home. So it would tell you to hang up, like Yeah. That, you know.
0: Or you, you could know. use that as an excuse. I have used that <laughs> as an excuse before. Sorry, <laughs> mum needs to use the phone. True. Um, sorry, only one line. gotta go so so for young people what what opportunities does the church then again offer in in that middle ringness um particularly when young people probably aren't the group that most people associate with um church going
1: yeah that's right and i think that that's where um you know a book like like titus is really helpful where it has Paul makes a distinction about the charge he gives to older men and to younger men and he you know he instructs the the older men to the disciple and minister and care for those younger men for the younger men to be temperate um and to to respond well to that uh and you know i can think about my own experience of being hitting around about 14 15 and that is the time when you look beyond your inner ring you know and your father who, who you know my father was and is amazing um, and has been was a fantastic role, uh, role model for me growing up into, into manhood. But you also look beyond that inner ring to those middle ring relationships where you know who are gonna be those men who are um, younger than my dad but older than me uh, and who I can look to as you know, a stepping stone into manhood. And um, and it's the same thing for, for, for women as well. And I think that that's where in our that idea of having um, men who mentored you um, and who instructed you in the faith uh, was you know central to, to my continuing Christian walk um, and I think that that's that 's something too that I think people don 't necessarily look at the church as being a place of that anymore you know the the broader view of the church is that it 's a place that can be dangerous uh, it 's a place where those kinds of relationships can be dangerous and have and have been not managed well in the past uh, and you know, and this is the same thing that, that's kind of the view of our, of our schools too. You know, we've, we have seen that, haven't we, that idea that you're just coming in for information exchange uh, and not for relationship uh, forming because those things can be um, fraught with difficulty. Uh, and I think that that's where um, a real genuine uh, concern and neighborliness is essential because if those relationships are forged upon mercy Uh, And showing grace to people uh, then that's something that is it's just foreign to our society you know so if even those other middle ring relationships you might be in like we talked about before you know you might be in a sporting team for example and that older guy who coaches or who plays in the firsts who um, you know sort of takes you under his wing for example um, is doing that also uh, not just because uh, they want to impart knowledge but because they, they see in you that perhaps you know maybe you could come and play on our team and so there's a, there's a um, somewhat of a, self, a self-centred uh, approach to that as well which uh, I, that shouldn't be there in the church.
0: Yeah you know, I've been around you know sporting clubs a lot longer than I've been around the church and mm. well, I, I like that concept of um, my children um, being around that community, yeah. so they get, you know, that they say that this is how you can be a man in many different ways, or yeah. or a woman. I, um, I've got daughters as well, and it's a netball club as well as a football club. Mm. Um, and I, I guess in in the past, those football clubs or you know sporting clubs or um, Rotary and any of those things, those members were often church members as right. well. yeah. So yeah. so we've kind of lost a, a bit of a double whammy then in terms of we've got less middle-ring relationships to, you know, I know we spoke about rites of passage before to, to show mm. young men and women how to be men and women, mm. um, but at the same time, um, if the church churches are dwindling in numbers, and, and they are in some cases, um, certain denominations, then... Those relationships or those connections between church and sport or church and music or church and service Mm. have also been severed so
1: yeah and it's funny how those two things now kind of compete with one another you know what used to be this again that ecosystem where you know you had your sport on a Saturday and your church on a Sunday and that's just no longer that kind of understanding there's plenty of sport on a Sunday now you know Uh, and so those things that used to I guess exist as in a kind of uh, they were kind of synced um, that 's been that 's been severed too um, and and then that means unfortunately that you do see um, less representation of or, you know, less engagement of Christians with those other civic groups um, yeah. because
0: it becomes a an either or doesn 't it yeah. you 're either playing sport or you 're a christian yeah, Whereas that, yeah. that's, that would be alien to people from fifty Years ago, forty years ago, That's exactly and any right. time before then? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we might wind things up there. Uh, another, well, hopefully, informative chat about the middle or the neglected middle, where middle ring relationships. Uh, once again, Gareth, thanks very much for your wisdom and and sharing your ideas and enlightening me and the listeners about how that gospel and those words of wisdom from the Bible. Are still relevant to us in 2020. So thanks very much, Gareth.
1: Thank you, Dane. And yeah, don't bowl alone, that's good advice. (laughs) Yes.
0: No, you can't beat anyone. All
1: right,
0: see you later. See ya.